0: You're listening to the all-new Veterinary Podcast, The Vet Chat, with fellow vets and hosts, Matt Wells and Steve O'Ely. Join us as we speak to a wide variety of industry professionals about hot topics and subjects affecting animal health in New Zealand. Thanks for listening. G'day everybody, welcome along to another episode of The Vet Chat. Um, I'm Matt Wells. My guest today is Katrina Roberts. G'day Trine, how are you? Oh,
1: Hi Matt, how are you?
0: Good, good. So topic today, we're going to talk about once a day milking and I guess we, we've got you along because first of all you're kind of an expert in, in just about everything so so that's a good start. But particularly I guess you've got, you've got a lot of expertise in mastitis, um, metabolics, you've obviously published a few papers around those things. Um, but perhaps a what maybe some people don't realise is that you've been a farm consultant for a few years now as well. Um, so you've kind of got that practical application on farm um, as, um, that is pretty important for some of this discussion as well. So, so yeah, we're sort of going to try and pull all of that together around the once-a-day story because all of those things are probably quite important. So
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that the practical implications of a management strategy such as changing milking frequency, are absolutely crucial to its success. And as vets, we potentially don't spend the time going through the, well, what will happen on farm if I milk the colostrums once a day or if I decide – that, uh, you know, a reduced milking frequency is what this farm needs. Um, how it actually plays out on farms is actually, it is, that's whether it's going to work or not, really. Yeah,
0: and that's one of the really tricky things because we like to do a lot of evidence-based medicine, I guess, as vets. And, and one of the challenges with once a day is that there's, well, there's, there's hardly any evidence really behind much of it um a lot of it is farmer driven and and you know a lot of it is for lack of a better term anecdotal i suppose and practical sort of evidence and so it leaves us almost as as vets sort of scrambling to to catch up and, and understand why farmers are doing what they're doing which is which is why this type of thing's important i suppose to try and get to the bottom of it and explain what we really need to know as vets and why farmers are doing what they're doing
1: most certainly. And I think in the current environment, one of the strongest drivers for reduced milking frequency is around people management. Mm. And obviously, Dairy and Zed have been big advocates in recent years of looking after our people on farm. And if we're on a farm or if we're working with a farm where the staff are happier uh, or more comfortable or doing a better job um, because they are milking a group of cows less frequently, um, then that's going to lead to better outcomes on farm and other areas. So I think we have to be very aware as vets that um, the the improvement of people um, and how happy and well the staff are working is actually a really good outcome, and that may not be something that is specifically measurable in a yeah. way that we're used to as vets.
0: But I mean, it is sort of a point. I mean, if you if you go back through the the history of once a day milking i suppose so if we're, if we're going to try and sort of start at the beginning i mean gosh you know 20 odd years ago it was really just something that was done at the end of lactation i guess just before you dried off um if you were really desperate um running out of feed probably during a drought um there were a few guys who would do it as a lifestyle choice but um you know they're kind of probably seen as being kind of fringe guys as much as anything so so I suppose the the move towards towards it being a more accepted sort of uh, standard thing for farmers to do an option for genuine farmers to do is a is a more recent thing but yeah do, do you do you have any sort of thoughts around where that came from i mean any any sort of background to it
1: well, yeah, so I guess the interesting point is is that um yes, a lot of farmers would have been using it in late lactation, uh, potentially with the idea that uh, when things get, you know, when you feel like you're getting to the end of the season and you maybe don't have the feed available, particularly in the Waikato um, or up north, um, so reduced milking frequency um, sort of would have increased with uh, improving feed intakes and also obviously heat stress as well, with cows um, you know, struggling with afternoon milking times. But what's interesting with those farmers that started milking once a day, maybe February or March, a lot of those clients over the last 10 or 15 years have slowly brought that date forward as well. So mm. quite a lot of my farmers that would have gone on once a day, maybe February, after pregnancy testing, after they got rid of the cull cow cows, and now almost going on once a day, you know, Christmas Day, because – they kind of like, well, I may as well have the summer holiday with the kids as well and be able to do stuff, go to the lake in the afternoon. So I think a lot of that late lactation or now mid-lactation to late lactation once a day has been very much driven by lifestyle and, um, you know, um, quality of life um, for, for dairy farmers.
0: Yeah, and but driven by lifestyle, but I guess if they're not making any money out of it. Then the lifestyle's not going to be very mm. good either. So I guess it's got to it's got to stack up financially too. So in the, the effects on production are not as horrendous as you might have thought sort of 20 or 30 years ago, are they? No, definitely
1: not. And there's quite good research from um, Dairy NZ and through LIC around, you know, the genetic potential of cows that perform well on once a day are actually the same cows that perform well on twice a day as well quite often. So high BW, Mm. if you've been selecting cows for high BW, um, you know, doing well in late lactation, keeping their milk production up, those cows will actually do quite well on once a day as well. Um, So, yeah, the cows, if they're fed well, they will hold up to once a day milking pretty well. Um, The key is really getting the transition right, so making sure that during the period of time when you go from twice a day to once a day that you do have good quality feed available uh, to supplement those cows during that transition, and that that leads to them holding production better.
0: Mm. What about the cell count rise? Like managing that?
1: Um, so the rule of thumb is is that the cell count will double when you go from twice a day to once a day. And I think everyone's pretty familiar with that. Um, and then over the next, you know, three or four pickups, it will come back down and sit about 20% higher than um, before they went on once a day. So most of clients that have a cell count that's under control can kind of manage that. Uh, clients that haven't used once a day before um, in that mid-to-late lactation I would encourage that they would do it, like um, just after they've done a herd test, if they can, so that they mm. can perhaps mark or flag high cell count cows, so they know who to watch when they transition to once a day. Because there'll, there'll be some cows that, yeah, they do, um, you know, spike in cell count or potentially go clinical um, after the once a day transition.
0: Mm. Yeah, I guess the the interesting thing for us. I mean, that, this is a. This is a New Zealand-driven thing, right? You know, there's very few places elsewhere that are actually trying to milk cows once a day. In fact, the rest of the world most, mostly is probably going the opposite mm. way, almost milking cows more frequently, especially with robotic milking coming mm. in. If you do robotic milking, and I guess people might argue that robotic milking um, is, is maybe a little bit closer to what nature intended, that the cows actually come and get milked when they, when they actually mm. want to um yeah you know, when when their bodies are telling them to and they'll come in what 3 4 times a day or so won't
1: they yeah i think yeah um, high places. high yielding cows definitely if there's no um if there's an, no negative reason to come to the robot so you know if the robots in inside and they're inside then um the flow to the robot is very much about when do i need to be emptied when do i need to be milked mm. um slightly different mm. with cows that are outside because the drive to go to the robot um, still needs to require them to walk long distances and to come yeah. off pasture and stuff. So it's quite different, I think, in our New Zealand setting, uh, the guys that have got robots. But yeah, definitely high-yielding cows um, overseas, the, they will milk more frequently than twice a day, more like 2.6 times or something, I think, is kind of the average.
0: And and that's almost back to that whole sort of science and practicality kind of almost being at odds with it, isn't it? That that we kind of go, well, this doesn't, you know, As as scientists, you kind of look and go, But they probably shouldn't be doing this because it doesn't seem like the right thing to do and yet it it works, um, you know, from a, from a management point of view, it works from a, from a, even from a nutritional, well, obviously from a nutritional point of view, um, you know, that they're still producing. I mean what's the do you have a figure for the sort of relative level of production when they go from twice a day to once a day is it is it reasonably similar? Uh I,
1: I think we we talk I mean it it depends on when the once a day transition is done and how long they are on once a day for um but it is you know we do talk between 10 to 15% drop in production on average um but that can be made up by benefits of being on once a day so the example Mm. for late lactation would be that um, you get a drop in production of of say 10 to 15 percent when the cows transition but because they're on once a day they conserve body condition uh, better so therefore you can milk them longer uh, at the end of the lactation Mm. so you you catch up at the end there Um, so yeah I think that's what the science says uh, is the 10 to 15 percent heifers it's usually slightly higher, so closer to the twenty percent. Um, and obviously, freezing cows tend to have a higher drop in yield on once a day than crossbreds and juices, But mm. the farmers don't um, don't necessarily see the the science numbers. That yeah. they they don't even see that drop in milk yield uh, across the lactation. They they they're weighing up the benefits of once a day um, of production and labor and other jobs being done on the farm with the oh, well, the cows made a little bit less milk during that time, but actually, I still won.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a few hours less of of bringing cows in and standing in a shed pretty pretty significant. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that's there's yeah, you can't, as you say, you can't really put dollar value to that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, so I mean, coming back, I guess to some of the mastitis stuff, one of the other things that that has happened over the last what. Ten to fifteen years is the rise of actually treating, of putting a treatment group on once Mm. a day, Um, and talking of things that seem to be kind of counterintuitive to us as scientists. I mean that that one just didn't make any sense, and and again, you know, pharma driven, Mm. but. Um. Yeah. You know the the sort of evolution of that. I mean, it didn't didn't really start round round the North Island. It probably really kicked off probably in the South Island and spread north. I suppose. But but um. Yeah. So it it seems to work, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it does. But I think that once again, it's it's taking the uh that the practicality of managing that sick mob, and. You know, if they were being done twice a day, potentially they were being done twice a day, not quite as well as what they should have been being done twice a day. So then, when they switch hmm. it to once a day, in fact, there's no there's no negative um, that that you don't find that cure rates are worse or anything like that. And interestingly, I, um, knowing that I was talking to you on this podcast, I decided to do a bit of digging last night. And um,
0: you're not you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed <laughs> to say you had all this at the top. I of I did your not mind. have
1: this at the no. top of my mind. Um, <laughs> but I but I remember as a vet. Um, probably when farmers started first asking me about, well, I'm going to put my mastitis cows on once a day. Or you kind of ask them, well, how often do you milk your mastitis, your sick mob? And they're like, oh, what do you want me to say? You know, the the farmers (laughs) can give you that sort of um, look. Um, And I remember being always told as a younger vet that, you know, increasing milking frequency meant that we got rid of the bugs and therefore we are going to improve cure rates. So I did some digging last night. And and in fact, um, I couldn't even find a paper that supported that, Um, that statement that I had in my head as a, as a clinician Mm. in my early years. So I found a review paper on alternative strategies to treating mastitis. And one of those was um, increased milk out um, in conjunction or without alongside of oxytocin or without oxytocin, but increased milky frequency and absolutely zero, zero benefit uh, in terms of cure rate. So, uh, and then I found another paper as well, which for, um, you know, strips and staffs, there was no benefit of, of, um, twice a day milk out versus once a day milk out. So I think that mm. potentially for like E. coli cases or toxic mastitis cases, there might've been some work that happened that led to us believing this, um, you know, the statement and being so convinced that it was the right thing. But um, but over time, uh, that hasn't really been replicated by um, other science studies. And I mean, Scott McDougall, so from Cognosco did some work a few years ago Looking at reducing antibiotic usage. So, basically, you know, once you had a culture result on a cow, then you decided whether or not you put antibiotics in. So, basically, looking at that concept of can we reduce antibiotic mm. usage um, by waiting for a culture result? And, you know, our first instincts, once again, as a vet would be well, you know, we can't delay treatment um, because we need to get the antibiotics in there as quick as possible. But in fact, um, there was very little effect on cure on rate by by delaying by a day. There's these statements that you've kind of have believed are true for so long. But in fact, yeah. um, when you actually play them out in the real world, um, they're not as big a deal as what as what we thought.
0: Yeah, and and you're right though, I think I think a lot of that stuff around milking frequency is northern hemisphere mm. stuff. You know, and that's that's where we were it's where the original work was done. And and of course, yeah, they've got more gram negatives and it does. I mean, it makes perfect sense that if you've got gram negatives producing endotoxins and those are sort of making the cow systemically ill then yes you've got to get those out of the udder as much as you possibly can um with the gram positives you're dealing with a quite a different situation and and the other thing of course to consider in there is that every time you milk every time you take milk out of the udder, you take antibiotic mm. out with it so the level of um or the 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 time above mic or the level of antibiotic above mic um potentially might end up being Mm. shorter um so so in fact you know on the flip side of of more frequent milking is that if you milk them less frequently you probably have a higher um, antibiotic concentration for Mm. longer than Mm. the other exactly um and and yeah so so in fact yeah Probably, um, and we don't really have a heck of a lot of you know, supporting science behind this, although who knows, there might be some coming at some point. <laughs> um, the, the, um, uh, the effect of twice a day milking versus once a day milking on actual cure rates to antibiotics is, is very, very mm. similar. I mean, and of course, you know farmers won't do it if it's uh, they can see that effect. I'm sure that, that if if it if it isn't working, they wouldn't be doing that. Mm. But so. and
1: I think that, I think there's so many other factors that influence cure rate as well, isn't there? In terms of you know how quickly the cow is yeah. diagnosed, um, how healthy the cow is, you know what's her immune status, how many times has she had, you know mastitis before, and all those sort of cow and bug level factors that are going to influence cure rate as much as as the fr- milking frequency. So. Yeah, maybe it's not big enough for us to see an effect either way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so I suppose the short of it is, you know, just don't don't get too hung up on on worrying. And, and I'm sure most vets have probably got to that point of realizing that farmers are going to do it yeah. anyway. Um, and and it's actually it's probably working pretty well. And. Maybe eventually the science will catch up and, and tell mm. us. The, the people that probably need to be reassured are us vets, rather than the farmers, by the science. But yeah, um, exactly. you know, it, it is it is sort of looking that way. That that actually, certainly in our conditions and with the drugs that we're using, um, the results mm. are just as good with once a day as they are with twice mm. a day milking. I think
1: the the other is is that from a cow point of view, as a mastitis mob group, um, there's benefits to her to only. Be milked mm-hmm. once a day from an immune function point of view. So you know there is quite good science around you know how quickly that cow will respond to once a day milking um, metabolically. So you know when they've when they've gone in and milked cows uh, yeah. once a day post carving and measured NEFAs and BOHs and um, other metabolites, those cows that are once a day milked are in a better shape than the ones that are being twice a day milked. So I think the cows respond to the reduced milking frequency, which possibly helps their immunity or their recovery. Uh, I don't know. Mm. But mm. but I guess on the flip side is, is that and by going from twice a day in your mastitis mob uh, to once a day, or even with the colostrum mob, which I assume we'll talk about shortly, um, not seeing the cows twice a day is a huge shift for farmers around those high risk mobs and I think as the vets that are working with farmers that are changing their management strategies we have to make sure that the farmers are aware of the fact that if they're not looking at that mastitis cow group twice a day then they need to be aware if the cow's not improving or something else is going on that action is taken um, more quickly so that may be like a a change in treatment chart sheets, you know, like you might have a, I don't know whether you do um, treatment flow charts with your farmers, but it might be, you might have to change that um, because you're only seeing the cows once a day. Or you might have a policy where even though the mobs only milked once a day, you actually shift that mob twice a day still, so they still get two-day breaks. Mm. They're not just put in some, Mm. you know, paddock near the cow sheet and not seen till tomorrow morning. There is actually a staff member that goes down there afternoon milking um, after they have finished milking the main herd, and lets them over to a new break, and makes sure that everyone's eating and that everyone's comfortable, uh, and and those sorts of things, because that sick mob obviously is is a high risk mob for for problems.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. Never really thought about that. That actually one of the downsides of only bringing them in once a day is just yeah, if, if things change quite quickly, you you might pick it up quite late. Mm. So yeah, yeah, that's no, that's true. Yeah, and, and I guess that does sort of segue in and you mentioned it as well but um i know i'd be a couple of years ago having a conversation with you where you were telling me about um farmers starting to milk um routinely milk their colostrum mob once a day and and you know i think i i might have used some colorful words um (laughs) in response to it because it certainly wasn't happening when i was in practice but it's starting to go back a few years now but you know again you kind of go but that just doesn't it doesn't make any sense from a from what we were trained and and um i guess uh, yeah maybe maybe that's me turning into an old fogey and realizing that time didn't stand still when i when i graduated (laughs) in the in the late 90s but but um you know it it is it is quite an interesting change to to actually milk the colostrum mob once a day too yeah
1: yeah, most definitely and i think um any of our vets that are listening who know Sue Mackey or Brian Mackay um, or have farmers that use DPS will potentially have had herds that have been uh, milking colostrums once a day for quite a long time. So th- those herds, um, the, I mean, the, the basis for it has always been from that group is around cow health and wellbeing. So um, there is papers out of the States where, as I said earlier, cows that are milked once a day from calving do recover better. And now we're getting some data from uh, the guys down in Omaru vets who have got quite a lot of farmers with collars on, uh, where they're looking at rumination time post calving. And those cows that are milked once a day um, achieve rumination or achieve optimal rumination um, time quicker than animals that are on twice a day. So there are some huge potential cow benefits, which we don't have the science. For as in how big those benefits are. But the farmers that are using once a day in the colostrum mob um, are seeing cow benefits from it. So the cows, you know, are adjusting to the milking routine way better than they were when they were on twice a day in that mob. Um, So that's like kind of anecdotal from the farmers around the cows. Um, From a um, calcium point of view, I think that, um, you know, when I did our prevalence study oh, probably seven or eight years ago now, it was really interesting. I had had these farms, so I had, you know, um, heaps of farms in the study where we just went, it was 70 or 80 farms, and we went in and just sampled a chunk of cows on, on the day of calving to see, um, you know, what serum calcium, calcium levels were. And then I asked the farmers some survey questions around clinical milk fever and so forth. And interestingly enough, I did have some farms where, you know, 90 or 100% of the cows on the day of calving had subclinical milk fever based on serum calcium less than two, but they had no clinical milk fever in the colostrum mob. They got nothing. And when I went back and asked those farmers, so what are you doing in the colostrum mob? Are you using heaps of lime flour? Um, What are you doing differently? And a lot of those farmers were mitigating this milk fever risk in their herd by using once a day milking. So Some of them said to me, oh, we used to get terrible milk fever in the colostrum mob. And I'm like, I'm not surprised, Um, you know, and they're like, but we don't now because we milk the colostrums once a day. So I think from a calcium point of view, um, there are potential benefits um, for the colostrum mob, obviously, if, if, um, if the cows milk once a day. Um,
0: so, so what prompted those guys to do that, though? Was that just talking to fellow farmers or was it just their yeah. own sort of, I think this looks like a good idea? Or oh, I,
1: I think it? some of those farmers were kind of at their wits' end about um, what to try yeah. and reduce milking frequency was, was a possibility. I mean, I'm sure you will have even had farmers um, talk to you about, you know, back when they had – you know see a clinical down cow and they're like well when should i milk this cow again like you know when do i Mm -hmm. when do i take milk out of her udder now that i know she's been a down cow um and i've got a couple of farmers who have milk fever issues who he'll still swear by the concept of not taking so much out the udder on the first milking you know like kind of half milking the cows um so i think farmers understand the concept that if you know if we take away if you take away a heap of milk then that cow then will you know she'll keep milking she'll she'll Refill her udder. That's what she's, she's supposed got to, to do. She's got to yeah, exactly. And yeah, so if we're yeah, taking yeah. all that calcium away, and we don't have our transition management right, which is obviously a whole other issue. But if we don't have our transition management right on our farms, then once a day milking in the clostrums is a good is a good strategy to mitigate um, down cows in the in the um, clostrum mob.
0: Yeah, so I suppose the big question—the the first thing that came to my mind when we when we first talked about it was, well, are you robbing Peter to pay Paul, though? You know, are you are you going to end up with with milk quality issues? You're going to end up with more mastitis um, because of of trying to avoid some metabolic problems. Mm. But that that's not really happening either, though. No,
1: no, I was, yeah, I I don't have data to say no, it's not happening, but my my farmers who are using once a day in the colostrum mob are well aware of um, the idea of they are only seeing their cows once a day, which means they're very fussy about stripping them and looking for um, mastitis, and they will treat um, if, if if there's anything there. They won't wait for a day. Um, yeah. But no, I'm not seeing in my herds that are using it more mastitis, and <clears throat> most of them that are milking colostrums once a day will have a pretty tidy screening protocol when a cow goes from the colostrum to the milkers. So they'll be using the RMT paddle to, to screen if those cows are ready as opposed to just stripping and, and popping them in at their appropriate um, time. So, mm. um, and then of course, from a farmer point of view, so this comes back to the same sort of concept as the mastitis mob management is the colostrum mob is the most frustrating mob on farm for farmers. Yeah. So if you can, and usually it's milked at the end of the day after milking mm. So at the end of the day, when everyone's tired, all they want to do is go home, have dinner, get back to their kids and they've got to deal with the worst mob on the farm for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, That's not a fun end of the day. So I think from a people point of view, removing that job from that end of the day and shifting it to a time where everybody's fresh, everyone's on their A game, um, actually means that the colostrums are probably looked after better um, or checked better um, and everyone goes home, you know, maybe an hour earlier.
0: So the other thing I suppose with, with colostrum to think about uh, if you're doing once a day in the colostrum herd is what you do about withholding periods from
1: yeah, dry cow. Yeah, that, that's a good question and one that does need to be covered. If we There's sort of two parts to it. Um, the New Zealand food safety definition of food is tied up with um, milk, which means that the colostrum is withheld from supply for eight milkings. So it's eight milkings, not four days. And the uh, milk companies, therefore, are supplying milk, which means that, and they're collecting farmers' milk, and the farmers have got contracts with their milk companies that they will supply the milk. So if the farmers are not um, sticking to that eight milkings, then they're actually not not, um, honouring their part of the contract. Um, Mm. So that's from a colostrum Mm. point of view. And obviously there's the um, antibiotic risk with dry cow therapy as well, which on the label is eight Mm. milkings. So once again, um it it should really be eight mil kings.
0: Yeah, yeah, and certainly the level of risk, um, you know, I I have seen it go wrong, um, in in my role where where guys have been doing exactly that once a day, putting stuff in um, you know, at, at six days I think rather than eight days. Um yeah, the guys will, I'm sure farmers will make their own decisions and the level of risk, I guess, will vary according to all sorts of things like what product they've used, or they've used blanket dry cow, um, what size the herd is, all those types of things. But
1: How long the dry period yeah, is. Yeah,
0: how long the dry period is. So there, there's, a, there's a lot of variables in there, but advice is that eight milkings is eight milkings when it when it comes to, to that and anything that a farmer decides to do, I guess, is, is his own call in that situation.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, most definitely yeah most definitely yeah
0: so I mean and that maybe leads in um, it might be a bit of a, a, a fetch for a segue but but then there's the guys that just continue and do full lactation once a day um, mm. you know, so so right from the beginning or or start once a day very early in lactation even as a as a pre-mating strategy um, so I suppose we sort of mm. talked about guys doing it in late lactation, Sort of routinely every year but but then you know there there is that rise of the the guy who just is a once a day farmer again mm. probably more and more i suppose it, it is a lifestyle option but it's a it's almost a forced lifestyle option for some guys with with labor issues i guess like you were saying before but but lifestyle not at too great a cost of production um from what we can from what we know i suppose
1: yeah i th- and i think um I mean, one of the things that's happened in, you know, obviously recent times is more marginal areas have been converted to dairy farming, Mm -hmm. and some of those marginal areas um, are perfectly set up for once-a-day milking or reduced milking frequency or maybe having one mob on once-a-day all season because they're large farms with long walks, um, Mm -hmm. maybe quite steep contour, or, you know, pasture harvest isn't isn't as good as the flat parts of the farm. So there are definitely farms that have, you know, a portion of the farm which is perfectly suited to once a day milking. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, it's reasonably, I mean, not uncommon practice that, you know, there might be, the young herd might be on once a day all season or the young herd might be on once a day from three weeks before mating or four weeks before mating and then they just stay once a day for the rest of the season. So, I mean, that's not an uncommon um, option for people mm. and historically it would have been you know as we sort of touched on earlier it would have been very much looked upon as oh that's a that's a strange decision to be making but it's actually it's it's almost quite a common option that people would consider um, now mm. um, for for that young herd.
0: Is just you know you just made a comment about sort of doing it three or four weeks before mating is that actually long enough is that is that enough time to make a real difference i wouldn't have thought so probably want to be starting a bit earlier wouldn't they
1: um yeah yeah once again the practical implications of of creating a second mob and having a mob on once a day uh, are not just about the actual milking frequency but they're often about you know how the farm's set up um, yeah. what round length they're on uh you know, what size of their paddocks, how big do their mobs need to be? So so quite often the exact time that a mob goes on to once a day might not make um, good sense um, with, when you've got your science hat on. But from the farmer's point of view, it can be executed perfectly if it's done this way. But if we try and do it to the science, you know, perfectly to the science, then the execution will be poor. So, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I think that they definitely need uh, – you know they need a few weeks on once a day for you to start seeing the probably the metabolic wins and maybe some production. Um, you know turning around from being in ne- negative energy balance to positive energy balance, but you know every farmer sort of approaches it slightly differently. Um, I do have I do have a few farmers that the heifers go on once a day four weeks before plans start a mating every season, um, and that's that's how they do it and. That strategy works for them from a repro point of view, and from a herd size and a round length and everything point of view. So, um, yeah, they, they they do that because it works. Um, yes, it could possibly be tweaked to work even better, but that's what works for them.
0: And then I suppose just perhaps to finish up, the this is this is probably typical of New Zealand farming that first of all, we go out and we innovate and we, and you can almost say that once a day is a a nice example of the New Zealand way of um, taking a a square peg with a round hole and just hammering it harder, you know, so that it fits in. (laughs) Um, But and then we've taken even we've probably taken sort of rectangular and octagonal pegs and all sorts with sixteen and eighteen hour milking and all that kind of thing too. So so there's there's various different things that people are trying in different ways. But um, I mean I guess it's just it's just what works for for farmers as a as a management technique, and and all of them probably have their pros and cons. I suppose.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And if any of the vets that are listening um, want further information on the other. Uh, milking frequencies, Dairy and has done quite a bit of work over the past few years um, with a milking frequency project uh, where they did some, um, you know, farmlet work and then they have gone out and seen how those strategies, those milking frequency strategies have been implemented at herd level um, with case study farms and stuff. So there's some quite good stuff on the Dairy Z website um, under milking frequency if, um, if people want to look for it. But, yeah, there's definitely... Uh, you know, if once a day milking can't work for a herd because of somatic cell count or because of production um, of the cows and how they respond to once a day, um, then other options like three and two, uh, ten and seven. So, which you know you, you sort of go, what are you talking about? But ten and seven, <laughs> once once a farmer implements it and realizes that means that he doesn't have to have staff on farm on Saturday and Sunday afternoon for milking, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a potential win and from a staffing point of view, again, um, you know, who's who wants to be milking on a Sunday and Sunday afternoon? Um, so I think that, um, you know, as as vets that are servicing these farms, we have to be, um, you know, open-minded about how farmers use uh, milking frequency as a tool. And we just need to think about how practically it might influence things that are going on on farm. So, I mean, the, the three and two or 10 and seven, obviously during mating becomes quite interesting. Um, you know, with AB times and insemination times and finding cows on heat and stuff, you know, you can always figure out a way around it, mm. but they're things that the farmer needs to consider so that they don't lose out from a repro point of view when they go and implement this, this new milking frequency strategy.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the, from a slightly selfish point of view, I guess one of the things that that um, I get, I get quite common phone calls about is what the heck do you do with, withholding holding periods? You know, cause, cause you've got, yeah and i guess one of the good things um about once a day and mastitis treatments um or particularly mastitis treatments really is that we actually do know what the withholding periods are now there's been the work done for quite a lot of products um around what the withholding periods are and then you get to these sort of sixteen, eighteen hour, ten and seven, and you're like, "Oh crikey, how you know how do we work this?" But um, I'm not even going to attempt to go into it in, in a podcast, but um, you know, probably just just ring up uh, ring up somebody like myself and, and talk it through.
1: And I would say that most farmers that are using three and two or ten and seven, the mastitis mob would end up being on once a day, despite the fact that the herd is on that different milking frequency. So the mastitis mob would be reverted to a once-a-day mob would be the most common um so mm. usually um once a day milking withholds would hold true for the mastitis cows on those farms doing three and two or ten and seven with the may mm. herd.
0: yeah yeah still get a few. i think that that um yeah, I get the odd phone call, um, as I say. So, so I think there's a few that probably just milk the treatment herd at the same time as the as the rest of them. So, but yeah, mm. it probably is. A, actually, that might be my advice from now on: is just tell them to milk them once a day. <laughs> it might be simpler. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I think. Um, yeah. I think that's probably covered most of the most of the things that um, you know. I think there's probably. If, if I was to try and summarise what you're saying, and I'll let you maybe summarise as well, but it's that there's there we are starting to get some science behind some of this, but we we also need to need to remember that I guess we maybe get a little bit caught up in our sort of um, everything needs to be production driven, everything needs to be sort of you know financially. Uh, We need to be able to put a a number to things. um, Sometimes, as vets, and and that lifestyle thing is is so big. Sometimes for the farmers, um, especially in modern times, you know, everybody being time poor, Um, and and realistically, you know, when you look at the effects of it, despite everything that we would have said, you know, that the that you know the sky was going to fall if you milked your colostrum cows once a day, or your mastitis mob once a day, or even your you know your overall mob, the, the effects are actually. At, at worst probably minor um, and in some cases potentially positive from actually going on to onto once a day so so you know it's perhaps having an open mind um, for something that was very much farmer driven to begin with um, that, that they've actually made a real success out of I guess so yeah most
1: most certainly and I think just coming back to I think my my first point was that you know the practical side of Changing milking frequency is the important bit because that's mm. the bit that leads to the good execution of it. And a once-a-day colostrum mob, for example, when executed well, is extremely successful mm. in improving cow health and um, staff being and production as well. Um, but if it's executed poorly, you could potentially end up with with you know animal health consequences, poor production um and you know maybe mastitis or um you know not enough colostrum for the calves and those sorts of things so mm. it it's very much about how the practical side of it plays out on farm
0: mm. so you have still got to do good farming still got to be a good farmer doing good farming like it's not a it's not a sort of shortcut um, no. that means you can get away with stuff which is no, which is a nice not. message
1: yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. Cool. No, I, I think that's, um, yeah, that's really cool. There's some really, there's some very valuable, interesting stuff in there. So, so thank you very much for your time, train it's, no it's been very, very helpful.
1: Cool. Good as go. Well. Nice talking to you, Matt.
0: Listening to the Vet Chat with Matt Wells and Steve O'Ealy. This show is proudly supported by Verbeck. If you want to find out more, go to nz.verbeck.com forward slash podcast.